What is the purpose of education? Is it simply to learn academics, to graduate, to get a job? What is the biblical purpose for educating children? This is Bob Boyd. And Jerry Boyd. This is Issues in Education. If I were to ask a parent, who is responsible for educating your child? Most parents today would say their local public school is responsible. But years ago, parents would say they were responsible for educating their children. And that change in the minds of parents has changed our nation. Bob Ganache is a listener who called us to tell us how important it was for him to protect his children from the risks associated with his public school. I like the way you put it. You said, I didn't want to give away my child's mind. Yeah, we're accountable and responsible to imprint in their mind those things that God intended us to that would honor him. And of course, one of the big things that comes up is evolution and all the different aspects of the educational process they put them through in the public school. And that really challenged even a young child's heart that was raised to know that God was the creator, the creator of the heavens and earth, and to have things presented to him in such a way where God was left out of it. And even the heritage of the United States and the foundation of this country as one nation under God, all of the foundational principles left out became apparent to them that there was no mention of God's role in creation or in the founding of this country. Why don't you talk about the cost of public school? In life, you pay the price to do what's right, or you pay the price because you didn't. Either way, you're going to pay a price. Always better to pay the price to do what's right than to pay the price because you didn't. As a parent and the children, they will pay a price in the public school system because of all the different things that they will be exposed to at this very impressionable time in their life as they're building the foundation of their convictions and beliefs. And the price that's paid can be very dearly in loss of children who go wayward once they have an opportunity to make their own choices. Uh, I think it's important to not ask what kind of an education you want for your child, but ask what kind of a child do you want them to turn out to be like. Yeah. Well, what about those people who say, well, if I homeschool, my child will be left out of the football team or the basketball team? There are opportunities where you can, as a homeschooler, be involved in the sports program of the schools. But let's assume now that that's not available, okay, and you have to give that up. What is it to gain the whole world to lose my own soul? All of the things that we could gain in this world are of little value in light of eternity. Keep putting things in an eternal perspective. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that scripture, seek first the kingdom of academics, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, you talked a little bit about your personal sacrifice to be able to homeschool your kids. You talked about going door-to-door selling encyclopedias. I had to give up my career to really walk in my convictions. Uh, I chose to stay in the small community where I went to school, and there was no work in accounting, so I ended up cleaning construction job sites and selling World Book Encyclopedia door-to-door until I ended up getting a job in real estate, which I'm still doing today. Well, bless your heart. You know, I love the World Book Encyclopedia. I grew up on that. So, I mean, you helped people in that aspect, too. But the point is, look at the sacrifice you paid so that you could homeschool your kids. It shows you what your priorities are, what your values are, what's really important to you. We didn't have much at that time. God has really, really blessed us in many ways, but I would never be able to own a home. We didn't have any money and I thought we'd always have to rent. But that all changed, and we've been blessed here in a wonderful home here on the central coast of California, up on the hills overlooking the ocean. Raised my family here uh, on an acre of land with our organic garden and fruit trees. And How did that come about from um, selling encyclopedias? Well, he sold a lot of encyclopedias. <laughs> yeah. 
I saw an ad in a newspaper looking for a Christian uh, real estate agent. Went to him and said, I've never sold anything before other than selling these encyclopedias. And he said, well, you get your license, come sell real estate. Some parents take the education of their children very seriously, and so do some pastors. Pastor Brian Schwartley. Well, why is it then that the American church as a whole has kind of a secular view of educating children? They bought the myth of neutrality, so they bought into this idea that the public schools are just going to teach things from a neutral perspective, neither Christian or non-Christian, and according to Christ in the Bible, that's just simply impossible. No matter what you do, it's going to come from a specific different worldview, and so if you're sending your children to a public school, you're exposing them to secular humanism and implicit atheism. But when you think about the greatest cost to a Christian, the greatest cost is that their child will grow up and think that God is unimportant. Absolutely, and if you sent your child to a Hindu school his whole life, and he was indoctrinated in Hinduism, I wouldn't be surprised if he became a Hindu when he got older. They're becoming consistent with the worldview they're being taught. The children are the future. Whoever controls the children control the future. And usually the parents, and I know this to be true from, from personal experience, usually the parents aren't aware of it until the child gets in the teenage years mm-hmm. and the child is already completely corrupted to the point where the parents can't deal with it. That's when they usually learn about what's the bad stuff that's going on. Children have to be protected from all these things. And this idea, well, we're going to send our children to public school and they're going to be a witness for Christ and all this stuff. Well, you're treating your child like he's a mature Christian adult, you know, and children need to be protected. They need to be nurtured. They need to be guarded from all this sort of stuff. Girls are vulnerable and they may fall in love with somebody and most likely he won't be a Christian. So why would you even want to put your young daughter in a place like that where the chances of her falling for somebody that's not a good godly man is very strong. They're very strong, and from seventh grade on up, a girl's going to be approached by dozens of guys who are basically predators sexually. The peer pressure is extremely strong, and when you're taught implicitly that there are no ethics, there are not, no right and wrong, why not? But some of the pastors that we interview say they send their kids to public school to be witnesses. Where in the Bible do we see children being sent out to be evangelists? And I remember being in school where teachers were mocking Christ and mocking Christians left and right. Some of these people had PhDs, and to expect an eight-year-old to argue with somebody like that is just insanity. Let's say you do send your child to high school or whatever, and he does make it out, and he's still a Christian. You have denied him a good, solid Christian education, wasting four years studying a bunch of baloney and nonsense and heathenism when he could have been really studying good Christian books, really studying good Christian theology, incorporating Christ into every subject. You've wasted four years. Oh, yeah, he might not go to hell. But is he going to serve Christ the way he should? And there's tons of opportunities to witness to Christ. There are pagans all over the place. So this idea that you need to send them into a situation where there's temptation and a false worldview, our responsibility is to raise up godly children who are going to be better Christians than we are, who are going to be more knowledgeable than we are. The children is the top priority. So what do you recommend for the person who says, I don't have the time to homeschool, I don't have the money to send my kids to a Christian school, what should they do? Well, that's the hard case. You have a single mother or something who's come to Christ and she's very poor. If the family can't help, if they don't have Christian relatives or the relatives are very uncooperative, they ought to try to find a church that will help train the children in a Christian school. The church has to pick up the slack. R.C. Sproul Jr., his church, got a lady a little trailer and raised enough money to keep her home raising her children and teaching them homeschool. Or if there's a good Christian school in the area, then I know people in the congregation, and we've helped people, we've helped single moms, you know, help pay their tuition to a Christian school. Oh, absolutely. And churches need to emphasize, look, parents, the education of your children is your responsibility. Deuteronomy 6, 9 and following, Ephesians 6, 1. Look, parents, you need to teach the children. All throughout the Proverbs, this is emphasized. It's your responsibility. And if you're going to 
to delegate authority in this area, you could only delegate it to other godly Christians. You can't delegate it to pagans. And churches need to teach that. That'll solve a lot of the problem right there. And there are these hybrids where you get homeschoolers that can participate in Christian school activities. There can be community groups that get together and hire a tutor. Oh, that would be great. Christian schools in my area, that, like if there was a difficult science course or something my kids could participate in. Although you can get some good stuff off the Internet now, some good Christian curricula. Did you know that? Oh, I've there's some great that. stuff. You can get all these CDs very inexpensively. Tons of good material out there. Well, you're homeschooling five children yourself, you and your wife, right? Yeah. Got a great wife, and she is so organized, and she even reads every single book before they do just to make sure that they're teaching a good Christian worldview. The homeschooling children that I know that are reading five grades above what they normally would, that are doing complex mathematics way above their level, that their knowledge of Scripture, their knowledge of church history, their knowledge of Christian biographies, all these things, you're not going to get that in a public school. You go to a public school, you're going to read how wonderful this feminist was and how wonderful this union man was. Christian school, my children are reading about Charles Spurgeon and John Bunyan and the great George Whitfield, and they're reading about missionaries and parents. This is super important. Think, what is more important to you than your children? On your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about your new Camaro. You're going to be thinking about your children and your posterity. So do the right thing. How important are your children's beliefs? How much is your child's soul worth? If you had to put a price on your child's soul, what would it be worth to you? million? Or in terms of time, would your child's soul be worth a week or a couple of months or 10 years of homeschooling to raise godly Christians who have values and beliefs like you? It really comes down to your priorities. What you choose will determine their future. Our guest is Pastor R.C. Sproul, Jr., a seminar speaker and writer on biblical parenting and homeschooling. 90% of Christian children attend public schools, so many Christians will say we have family devotions. They even go to Wednesday night children's church. Isn't that enough? Of course it's not enough. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us you teach these things to the children when they lie down, when they rise up, when they sit, when they walk by the way. And when you send your children away seven hours a day, five days a week to a place where Jesus Christ can't be mentioned, and then you sprinkle in family devotions and youth group and Sunday worship, what you're saying is that Jesus' lordship extends only in these areas. But for these 35 hours a week, we're going to disregard him. That sends a message to kids. That's what breaks my heart more than anything. These parents who I know, you ask them, do you want your children to understand that Jesus is everything? And then they go and send their children to a place where Jesus is nothing. The first person I ever told about homeschooling responded with, do they let you do that? Now, what does that say about to whom these children belong? And the scripture tells us very clearly to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to render to God the things that are God's. Whose image is on our children? Certainly not Caesar. That's right. Our children are made in the image of God, which means they belong to him, and which means we are to give them back to him, which means we're to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and not give them to the state. Well, in fact, a lot of the parents, because they don't feel confident enough, they think that, well, a public school has these trained educators. They know better how to educate a child. I don't know anything about calculus or French or differential equations, so who am I? I'm not qualified to educate my kids. I've got a test, a biblical test, to determine if a parent is qualified to homeschool. What you do to figure out whether or not you're qualified to be 
a homeschooling parent, a teacher of your children. At midnight, go and look in every room in your house. And if any one of those rooms contains a sleeping child that belongs to you, then you're qualified to be a teacher. If God's given you the children, he's That's given right. you the ability to do it. That's right. That's your teacher's license, is your child's birth certificate. It's not up to the state to determine whether or not you're qualified to teach your children. God says you're qualified. Even if they're not naturally gifted as a teacher, they could become able and learn how and do a good job teaching their kids. Well, that's right. And one of the things that frustrates me about homeschoolers is we are always wanting to justify homeschooling with our homeschooling successes. We will hold up the spelling bee winners. We will hold up Abraham Lincoln was homeschooled, and everybody loves Abraham Lincoln, so, you know, you should do it too. But think about this. If we're going to pick a poster child for what a person who's been homeschooled can do, why not pick, oh, I don't know, say, Jesus? Jesus was homeschooled. <laughs> he managed to do all right, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Abraham was homeschooled. Noah was homeschooled. All the heroes of the faith were homeschooled. None of them could land a six-figure salary in our modern-day world. No, oh, Jesus probably could with all the healing services. Well, that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how are we going to persuade Christian parents to take responsibility for the education of their own children? I think the answer to that is not so much a list of biblical don'ts, not so much as something you have to do out of your duty to Jesus, but as the joy and delight that it is. The wonderful thing about homeschooling is not that you have to be with your kids all day long, but that you get to be with your kids all day long. The wonderful thing is not simply that they don't learn stupid things like evolution, but that you get to be with your children and that they're a delight to be with. There is a closeness, a union in most homeschooling families that is the very picture of what familial joy is supposed to be according to the scripture. That's right. And well, when just, your child's yeah. identity, when their vision of themselves is tied up with the family, they're going to want to stay there. They're not going to want to go somewhere. When their identity is with their peer group, they're going to want to go hang out with their peer group. That option is over at the government school. Well, that's just it. They enjoy being with the family. I mean, you have a, a relationship with adults and with your brothers and sisters, and, and it is abnormal when you think about it, just plopping all these kids with just their peer age group. Then they don't want to be with their mom and dad and they get embarrassed and then that you get the strife in the home that's right you touch on that great question what about socialization i love to get asked that question i, I hope that people who don't believe in homeschooling will ask me that question because i in turn ask them this i say well now by socialization i presume you mean the ability of children to get along with others that are different from them and they say well yes that's what we mean and i say and so your solution to train children to get along with others that are different from them is to lock them in a room with children who are exactly their age for seven hours a day and they, <laughs> they begin to think, and I think, you know, in my family, we have all these children living together with their mom and with their dad and interacting with various visitors in our home. They interact with all sorts of different kinds of people because they're able to. They're out in the world. They're not in this artificial environment that we call the classroom. What they really mean by socialization is, how are your children going to be like the rest of the children? <laughs> and then the answer is, they're not. I want my children to not join in with the other children in sin. Mm-hmm. When my 10-year-old girl is with other 10-year-old girls and what they're talking about is Britney Spears, I want my daughter to say, who's Britney Spears? Hey, yeah, amen to that. 
What about the parents that say, I want my kid to be a high school quarterback on the football team or a basketball player? God, in some ways, actually is a gentleman. That when the children of Israel turn to the other gods, God's response is not to pour out wrath. Rather to say, look, you want to worship the Baals? Go ahead. You worship the Baals. You see what it's like. When a father says, my goal is for my son to be this high school quarterback, they may get their goal. And if your option is, go to high school to be a quarterback where God is not honored, where God's name is not mentioned, or have them walk in the truth, have them raised in the nurture and image of the Lord, then again, it's no contest. No Christian parent's going to say, give me the Super Bowl heathen. The fundamental question is, what is the goal of education? Folks look at homeschoolers like us and say, you're sheltering your children. And I love to respond to them and say, what are you going to accuse me of next? Feeding and clothing them? (laughs) 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 Yes, I am sheltering my children. That's what we want. When people ask about, you don't want to shelter them, I say, look, you don't send them to the adult bookstore, do you? Well, you don't want to shelter them now, do you? Mm-hmm. It's nonsense words, because that's all there can be. When you're trying to defend the indefensible, all you can do is just make noise. There's no argument there. Yeah, and you know what? When we've met homeschooled children, there's a wholesomeness, a purity, and innocence about them. Who wouldn't want that for a child? But the only way you're going to get that is to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You can't get that by sending them to public school. That's right. The single greatest advertisement for homeschooling is a homeschooled child. I like to visit with them. I like to spend time with them. This whole salt and light thing, you don't become salt and light when you're unsalty and dark. The only way to be salt and light is to be set apart and distinct. It's embarrassing how much even unbelievers fall all over themselves to praise our children. Oh, your children are so well-behaved, or how do you do it? And It's actually an opportunity, an invitation to witness to the goodness of God. And then they're being salt and light. Isn't that ironic? Exactly right. And it's my habit to tell them. I'll say, kids, we just had a meal at this restaurant. The waitress was just fussing about how wonderful you guys are. And I want you to know that you know that you were manifesting today the glory of Christ. You honored not only yourselves, not only mommy and daddy, but you honored Jesus today. What about the question, either I'm too poor, I can't do it, we can't afford to homeschool, or the single mother? With single mothers for the family first, and then the church, if the family can't, to come to their aid. We had in our own church a single mom. We were a teeny tiny church, but we told the young lady, your job is to raise these children to nurture and admonition of the Lord, and we will pay your bills. That decision on the part of our church had repercussions throughout the entire city. And yet for us, it was like, this is not a difficult question. This is what the Bible says. And I called the young lady and I said, look, our church is more than happy to meet all of your needs. And if we're not meeting your needs, you need to let us know. But we're more than happy. We're delighted to meet your needs because you are Jesus to us. You are hungry and we're giving you food. And the same thing for your children. We get to serve Jesus by serving you. You've got to decide whether you want us to take care of you or whether you want the state to take care of you right. because we're not going to help the state do it. Well, that's a great testimony because the church really does have a role in educating the children. With a vacant building sitting empty Monday through Friday, really the church is missing their opportunity to really reclaim this country and we're losing the young people because of it. Absolutely. With those buildings, they could even help accommodate some homeschooling families. I mean, there really could be a co-op going on. I mean, there could be a lot more being done. You have to start with the goal. My goal is to raise godly children. Once you have that established, you're going to be free from all the worldly nonsense, from all the presuppositions and assumptions, and you're going to find that raising godly children is far easier than raising yuppies. It's way easier than raising godly yuppies because that just flat can't be done.
Our guest has been Pastor R.C. Sproul, Jr., telling us about the joys of homeschooling. Dr. Bob Dreyfus wrote a great article entitled, The Most Important Issue Facing the Church and the Nation. Little did he know that one person, Pastor Ed Gandy of First Baptist Church of High Springs, Florida, would not only read this article, but he would go back to his church and call a meeting of all the public school teachers who went to his church, and he would confront them with the facts in Dreyfus's article. And his church ended up building a $4 million 31,000 square foot Christian school. Isn't that incredible? Yes. And some of the teachers are working for the church now, teaching the Christian children. Pastor Ed Gandy, tell us about this. I've got a lot of public school teachers in my church, 23, 24 teachers in my church. And we sat down and I gave them the article first. They were just furious at me. They thought I was attacking their profession and everything. And I said, look, tell me if this is true or not. And after the defenses came down, they started saying, yeah, this is right, it's accurate. And as they were talking, each one of them began to affirm, we're not getting the job done out there. That's kind of where uh, Dream was born. It's now a school. (laughs) Now we've got this $4 million facility with a unique children's theater and full gym and 20-something classrooms. When you got these Christian teachers together, what were some of the things you told them about the public school system? I really didn't have to tell them anything. The question, what are we teaching our kids morally? What value systems are we putting in their heads and their hearts? Do you teachers agree with what you are teaching? Are you teaching from a foundation of truth. You know, a lot of them said, well, we do have to teach things we really don't agree with. Challenges the Christian beliefs, promoting the homosexual agenda that's now doctrine in public schools and teaching them that there's no absolutes and promoting New Age philosophy and socialism and secular humanism and just everything is contrary to foundational Christian belief. Initially, the teachers were a little upset about that. You're challenging their vocation. They said, this is our our mission field. And then we talked about, well, if it's our mission field, then the church is failing. The foundation for me, it's real simple. It says, in the beginning, God. That's got to be the foundation for everything there is. If you don't teach that in school, in the beginning, God, then what is the basis for your science? It just happened? That doesn't sound very scientific. Nothing plus time gets everything? That doesn't make sense. Divine design, when you say, in the beginning, God set in place laws, that's why your science works. One young lady, she said, you know, I just did not realize how much secularism that I had assumed, not even thought about in my training, my teaching. She said, I realized that I am not teaching Christian worldview. And I've realized how I've been sucked in to this realm of secular humanism. It's not biblical. What you teach will become what you are. And if you teach socialism, humanism, you're going to become socialist, humanist. You know, that's just where children are going to be taken. And the amazing thing is, is we started with not one single dime, not one teacher. I began just put out the word and go to some people I knew that had a heart for God and had some very gracious donors. We started a ministry here called Pray Them Play Sports. Pray during the game, pray after the game. This past season, we had over 2,000 kids playing pray-then-play flag football. We have more kids in Christian sports now than in the city leagues. Why are we letting the world have our kids? Christians can do sports. 
Christians ought to be having schools. Hey, Christians ought to be involved in the lives of our kids, not stepping back and saying, well, let the government do their sports and their education and everything. We really have lost, really almost been impotent in making a difference in government schools. The handwriting's on the wall. Christians need to educate their children. Parents have got to get back into the education of their children. A lot of Christian parents just have relinquished this God-given responsibility. Deuteronomy 6 says, you know, teach your children these things when you walk by the way, when you rise up, when you lay down, when you're sitting in your house, when you're just living life. God said you got to mandate parents to how you train your children. And not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Isn't that interesting? Renewing of the mind. What is a school all about? That's true. Connect the dots, huh? Uh-huh. And, and be not conformed <laughs> to this world, and they're not being transformed. That's the problem, is we don't want our students to fit into the world. We want our students to change the world. Here's a good saying for you. Secular education will inform you, but a Christian education will transform you. There you go. Yeah. Pastor Ed Gandy said there are those who watch things happen, those who wish things would happen, and those who make things happen. Which category do you fit into? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Putting a child in a place where God is eliminated is not seeking the kingdom of God first. In Romans 12, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And yet everything about a public school education is designed to conform children to the pattern of this world. If you would like a CD copy of today's program, please ask for number 1799, Choosing Your Child's Future. That's number 1799, Choosing Your Child's Future. You can order a CD copy of this program from our website. Our website is issuesineducation.org. That's issuesineducation.org. Please give us a call at 928 776 Zero 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 zero. That's nine two eight seven seven six zero 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 zero. From Second Timothy two verse fifteen. Study to show yourself approved before God, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, properly handling the word of truth. For issues in education, this has been Bob and Jerry Boyd.